This episode of the 343 podcast is supported by Bounce Athletics. Bounce Athletics is offering you an additional 10% discount because they know that you are serious about high-quality soccer products if you are listening to this show. Training balls from Bounce Athletics can be customized with your logo and your color scheme and will only cost you about $15 to $20 per ball. And if you compare similar textured training balls from Nike, Adidas, or Select, those would be in the $50 to $60 range. Now, I've personally tested the balls from Bounce Athletics. They feel great. They look great. They roll great. They hold air, which is super important. They are legit, and I highly recommend them. To top everything off, Bounce Athletics will send you complimentary mock-ups of what your balls will look like with your logo on them. Just email your logo to info at Bounce Athletics to begin the order process. And remember to mention 343 so you get that additional 10% discount when you place your order. This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Tommy Hodel is a soccer writer, podcast host, press officer, fan, and all-around great guy. He is also extremely passionate about growing soccer in his community, which is the city of Oakland. And that is why he is a key member of Oakland Roots. The Oakland Roots website provides this explanation of who they are and what they are about. And it starts with, Oakland first, always. And he continues with, more than just a club, more than just a game. Oakland Roots Sports Club seeks to harness the magic of Oakland and the beautiful game of soccer as a force for social good. Whether on the pitch, in the stands, or within the community, Oakland Roots will represent our one-of-a-kind city with passion, pride, and commitment to all things Oakland player by player, supporter by supporter, resident by resident, one day at a time, one game at a time. This is about Oakland first, always. Man, just reading that gave me chills. Oof, that was exciting. And that's what soccer should be about. It should be about your community and it should be about representing who you are and what you stand for. And soccer should have deep, deep, deep roots and pun intended, of course. But this conversation with Tommy explores a bunch of different topics, but specifically his thoughts and feelings about American soccer and the city of Oakland and his love for the city of Oakland. Links to Tommy's Twitter, his podcast, which represents Path the Pro, and links to Oakland Roots are all available on 343coaching.com, and I highly recommend checking out everything that they are up to everything that Tommy's up to. I actually, uh, I met Tommy at the NASL final, uh, the final final actually between Cosmos and San Francisco Deltas. When I was up in San Francisco, that was the first time that I met Tommy. He was wearing an Oakland A's hat. Now that I, now that I'm thinking about it. So this guy's just, he just bleeds Oakland and it's, it's amazing. Um, but I've, I've linked to everything in the write-up of this podcast. So please go to 343coaching.com and, and check that out. And if you enjoy this podcast, just remember that you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and you can help other people find the show by giving it a five-star rating or a review or just by sharing it on social media. And if you really want to support this podcast, you can do that by signing up for the 343 Premium Coaching Membership Program. And I'm going to actually ab- abandon my script that I normally go with. Um, I, I usually read off a list of benefits that uh, you get when you sign up for the 343 Membership, but I'm going to just throw that out the window right now. And I'm going to tell you that if you want the absolute best coaching education for a fraction of the price of all the other shit that is out, out on the market, sign up for 343 Coaching. Um, it, you're not going to regret it. If for whatever reason you don't trust me, you can go and take the free course that's available on 343coaching.com. Once you go through that, you're going to know that it's legit and you are going to be more than welcome to sign up for the full course, which has a ton more to offer you. So once again, you can find all of that at 343coaching.com. That is the absolute best way to help support and sustain this podcast that you are listening to right now. And I hope that you enjoy this episode of the 343 podcast that you are about to listen to with Tommy Hodel. 
Hello? Hey, Tommy. How's it going? Good. How are you, John? Doing all right. Doing all right. I uh, I need you to have a sane conversation with me. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm here for. This is, Don't get too... <laughs> that, that, is the, that is the only requirement for the next 30 minutes. Just have a sane conversation God. with me. <laughs> all good? Yeah, let's do it. All right, man. Um, start uh, start by introducing yourself. Who are you, and and what do you do, and 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 then we'll go from there. Yeah, well, my name's Tommy Hodel, and I would just call myself a guy who's super passionate about uh, soccer and super passionate about the city of Oakland, and I guess NorCal soccer in particular. Um, I, I my my whole thing is I love watching young players from where I'm from progress to the next level, and I. And whether that be with the organization I work for in Oakland Roots or Path Pro Soccer or making sure they get coverage, Midfield Press and the Cup.us. In any way possible, I'm just here to make sure all the people who are doing great, hardworking things in lower league soccer get the recognition they deserve. When, uh, when did you become involved in the Northern California soccer scene? That's well, depending on how you want to look at it. Like, uh, I mean, I played in the Northern California soccer scene, so I knew a lot of these people when I was, you know, middle school and, and beginning of high school before I kind of stopped playing soccer a lot to focus on music. Uh, I went on to get, you know, uh, my master's in, in jazz education. Um, and then just certain circumstances uh, broke my wrist in such a way that I can't really play my instrument anymore. And I decided about six years ago that I'm going to dive completely back into soccer and moved back to Oakland, where I'm from, and uh, started covering local soccer, at the NPSL, the PDL, um, San Francisco Soccer League, the NorCal, League of NorCal, and everything for the, the Cup.us, including if it was MLS and, and matches like that, and, and said that this is, this is what I'm going to do now um, as, as best I can. It's interesting to hear you kind of, rattle off all the different names and and you know acronyms or, or, or abbreviations for all the leagues and and whatnot oh, yeah. and there is so much soccer in the bay area it is incredible how much soccer is up there and it blows my mind that we think and when i say we i'm just like just referring to you know the american mindset american soccer mindset we think that we can't have more professional teams. Like there could be a hundred professional teams in the Bay Area alone, is my opinion. But yeah, well, I mean, on that, yeah, I absolutely think that. I think it's uh, as 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 someone who's helping to build Oakland soccer. I'm not afraid of a a team in Richmond. I'm not afraid of a team in you know which is just ten miles north of us, Berkeley, Hayward, San Leandro, Stockton. These are all cities that could easily easily house a third division professional team, um, and it can go up to Vallejo. Uh, you know, uh, just Sacramento is not is two hours away across the bridge in San Francisco, south of San Francisco and Palo Alto. I mean, there's there's at least 10 to 15 places that you can go. Monterey being another one uh, in Northern California, where there's plenty of players and there's plenty of support for soccer. Tommy, I'm going to ask you a question that I don't know if uh, if you've ever had to answer out loud before. But but what why do you do this? You 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 cover all these different leagues and, and teams and players specifically and you uh you immersed yourself in the northern california soccer scene and from my own experience i i know what the reward of that is and it's not you know it's, it's not very great so i'm curious like why have you invested so much of yourself into into these projects that you that you do well like i said to start i think for for the first one with, with Oakland roots is um, the only thing I love more than soccer is, is I think Oakland's the greatest city in the world. And I think we deserve the greatest game in the world. Um, and that's not just being biased because I was born and raised here. You know, there's, there's st studies out there that this is one of the most diverse cities anywhere in the world. Culturally, we have everything you could possibly, possibly want. So number one, it's for the city that's given me everything. in in my, in my opinion, it's, it's made me who I am. Um, it's, it's, it's shaped my worldviews in every single way. So for that reason, for the city of Oakland, I'll, I'll do almost anything. Um, and then, but as, as for just soccer in general, um, there's so many people who are working 
harder than um, people at the highest levels in this game. And they're all doing it for the, the same reason you just mentioned. And for me, I don't like to see that go unrecognized. And I have platforms and ways to make sure that they're recognized. And that includes players. Like nothing personally excites me more. I don't care if it's an MLS team, USL team, anything. It doesn't matter if a player from Oakland or from Northern California is given an opportunity to, to play at that level. I love watching players that I watched locally that I maybe found or I knew about two or three years, bef- not to sound hipster here, but two or three <laughs> years before before everybody else. You know, I there's nothing, there's honestly nothing that excites me more. Like, for example, one of those one of those kids being Nick Lima. When I like I first saw Nick play his freshman year at Cal Berkeley and man, if if you didn't if I might have been behind a couple of people at that point, but you could see something immediately. And he plays for the San Jose Earthquakes now and obviously did unbelievable in those first two games under Greg Berhalter for the national team. And man, watching Nick play and get opportunities like that, that that's why I do it. It's really cool, man. Um it's it's something that I've been talking about a little bit more often recently, but it's like that, that feeling of representing your community, uh, that is, that is really, really a, a, a missing aspect in American, well, American club soccer, I think is, is where I've, I've been, <coughs> sorry. Um, American club soccer is where I've been, uh, directing that comment lately. Um, but, but it's just American soccer in general. And the example I've been given or been giving is, the difference between representing your high school or your college versus representing your club. And at this point, only one of those really represents your community. And that is your school. Uh, I, I I've said on the podcast before that I feel like uh, there are very few players in American club soccer that like will bleed for their club or will bleed for, you know, their DA. But it's totally different when you're talking about, you know, your community or your, you know, the school that represents your neighborhood, and and that's kind of, in my opinion, what the rest of the world enjoys when with with soccer is that they have teams that represent their their communities, and and those teams yeah. have the opportunity to to play themselves to whatever level you know they they can they can get to if they're ambitious they can play all the way to the top if if uh, if they want and if not you know they they still have a team that represents their community. And that sense of community is missing in American soccer. I'm getting fired up already, Tommy. Yeah, yeah that's, well, I'll bring that in because I'll say that the one thing that I really love that's not NorCal or Oakland is being an Everton fan. And, and why I love Everton Football Club so much is players like Tom Davies and Dominic Calvert-Lewin and all these kids that come through the Everton Academy and people can look Chelsea's not producing kids through the Academy um, at half the rate. And these are all what local scousers from Liverpool um, that that's what makes the club so special to, to me is, is the Academy, the under 23s team that continuously wins. And I think what you said there is one of the problems that I think I've seen going throughout soccer in this country is that a, t- a brand new third division team or whatever. I don't want to pick out league or anything like that but they're going to build a team based on the perceived pro players. And what I mean by that is they saw another guy on another pro roster the year before, and that's who they're going after. And their player pool then just becomes guys who are already in that system. And then you see guys who are from Berkeley, California, going to play across the country uh, in in, uh, random other places instead of playing for a team that's from Berkeley or from Oakland or from the East Bay. Um, it's 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 something that I think Oakland Roots is gonna is really proud of in the way we're gonna build stuff. First player announcement just came out, and it's Devonte Debose. He's from Oakland, born and raised here, and I think that there's something to be said that as a fan base, it's a lot easier to get behind local players, no matter what their level is. And Devonte is incredibly high level, but what I'm saying by that is that it's easier for everyone to support a bunch of Oakland East Bay kids who are second division level, let's say, than a bunch of guys from Canada and Brazil who are first division level. There's no connection for me there. So it, it, there's, I've seen local teams around the, the Bay Area build, try to build a, an identity or a brand, and, they're, and they don't even 
have players who are from that city that they are building a team around, or even from California. Um, so it just there's a big disconnect there because it's really easy for me at this point, even though I didn't go to McClyman's High School, which is one of our one of my rival Oakland Public High Schools. They've won the, the the football state championships three years in a row. It's really easy to get excited about that because you start seeing McClyman's players in the NFL. Uh, McClyman's players are littered throughout uh, Major League Baseball and uh, littered throughout the NBA over history. Guys like Bill Russell, Frank Robinson, Ricky Henderson. You know, it, it, this there's just too much tradition and pride that, that it's hard to not support where you're from in that way. Yeah, and, and kind of by default, you know, just the way that the American sports system is set up, the the only way that you're that you're able to represent your community is by supporting the players that are from your community, like you're describing. So, like you become affiliated with a, a you know a baseball team or a, a football team or a hockey team, whatever, because there's you know some connection to a player that you relate to. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, supporting somebody that's from your community. And an example I can give is uh, Galaxy's latest signing, um, Julian, uh, the 17 and a half year old kid that just signed with, with LA Galaxy. He's from yeah. he's from my community. And so, like, that's that's exciting for us. And, and you know, to see his his face on the news and and to hear the story, you know, about how he got to where he is and to see the picture of him holding the American flag over his shoulders and, and whatnot. Like that's, that's pretty cool. But it, it also just makes me, you know, think like what a bummer that Julian can't be here representing his community and, and representing a team that is from his community on, on that level. So it's like, he has to be exported somewhere to, to get that opportunity. And, and so it's like, I go back and forth between being super happy and super proud and, and then super devastated and frustrated. It's like a, just this tornado of emotions. No, that that actually makes total sense. It's one of those things where I don't support any of those teams. Like I like I'll say right now, it's like I really have enjoyed. I always try to turn tune into Timbers two games on on uh, ESPN Plus because they they have a kid by the name of Kendall McIntosh in goal who's from Oakland, and their last year the other keeper was Alex Mangles who went to UC Berkeley and is from Walnut Creek, all in my backyard. But it's a weird thing to be sitting here and rooting for a goalkeeper on one team. I want to see him do well, and I want to see him progress. But it, I, I totally understand that feeling because it, it's, it's also a thought that I always go, man, I wish they could all play here for one club uh, and be part of the same thing and, and represent their hometown in the same way. So that, that's, that's a totally, that's, it's the same way like when Marshawn Lynch in, in the NFL for Oakland people, when he was playing with the Seahawks, everybody in Oakland, even though the Raiders were here, um, we're ready to root for the Seahawks in the Super Bowl because it's Marshawn, and we're going to support our guy no matter what. And it it reminds me too of of what I saw yesterday um, from the official Croatian Federation. Um, I think it, yeah, it was their it was their Instagram account, and they posted a picture that you know yesterday in Champions League it was going to be there was going to be a Croatian in both games. And so like just by default, you know, that's you support those teams because there's a Croatian on those teams. So, so it, it just makes me, man, this opens up like a, like a whole nother box of questions, I guess. It's like, you know, at what point do you, do you appropriately celebrate a player moving on to, you know, a team outside of your community and, and how do you support that player throughout their own journey and at what point is it right to be you know frustrated um that that a player is not representing your community and and maybe you know from an american aspect because the opportunity isn't here for us to have the teams in our communities or it's it's much more difficult for us to 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 have the teams that represent our our, our communities maybe maybe you know it's not even a, a you know conversation that can be had or a comparison that can be made between the rest of the world because the rest of the world, they have those little community clubs and, and, and they're able to hand off their best players to, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Liverpool, wherever. So. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where I'm, it, I, I, it's a hard one to answer to, to, to be perfectly honest, just because I don't, it's, you want You always want to see your players do well um, who are from this community. And I never want 
to get in their way in, in any possible way. I only want to see them, see them do well. But every time I think about the number of good Northern California players that are, aren't even currently at the highest level, but you, if you put them all together, the level that you could play at would just be an absolutely incredible thing. And it's just something that's been stifled from happening at this point. Um, but I think that the more people like yourself and like, like me and others now that are catching on with the lower league game is the more we just continue to support these clubs and these people who are working hard for, um, in the San Francisco league or, or any of these, any of these things, the more that these opportunities for players to stick around like Devante with the Oakland roots are going to continue to happen. Let's, uh, let's, or maybe you can help me think of some like top level examples of clubs that represent their communities, like, like teams that are in, in first divisions. Um, and, and you mentioned Everton uh, a little bit ago. The first example that comes to my mind is athletic Bilbao in Spain. Like they, like they have, you know, policies in place where, you know, they, yeah, they Chivas, Chivas Guadalajara is another one. That's right. In, in, a, in a similar way. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's the, the thing, the thing that's tough here is that in, in the United States, we can't actually put it in the policy in the same way that athletic Bilbao would have. Um, but you can have that mentality. And, and what I mean by that is that you make sure you're not m- missing any of your local players and you have to be actively seeking out these local players is, is just, it makes me think about what happened, I guess, with the, the MLS super draft is, is I see players that I know personally that I've seen 10 plus play 10 plus times in college. And I'm going, there's no reason that a team from the East Coast should be be drafting this kid because if they had seen him play once, they wouldn't take him. Um, but he's just in the system, and and he's going to the other side of the country to play first division instead of staying home playing second or third division, wh- which would have been more appropriate. I know which player you're talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know I won't, I won't say it out loud. Um, no, but it, but it's funny because, you know, he, you know, a, a player, right. A, any mm-hmm. player can, that's in the system, like you mentioned, right. Um, mm-hmm. can go to a combine or can, you know, you know, just be seen or recommended, uh, by, by a certain person. And all of a sudden, like the status is elevated to a point where, Oh crap, like that person just got drafted and is, is mm-hmm. offered a, you know, a big time contract. And, and it's not, it's not based on, you know, a history of, of seeing and studying that player or the players around that player. Um, because I, I think if we're, if, if we're being super, super honest, there's probably other people, other teammates that maybe deserved that spot, um, or, you know, any spot at, at a higher level over, over somebody else. And, uh, yeah. Or, or it's even people who aren't even in college, to be perfectly honest. It's just the number of really good players who aren't in a Division One program simply because of grades don't even get looked at because they're not in a Division One program. And the reason they're not in a Division One program has nothing to do with their playing ability. It's one of these things where I was thinking just – I'll give you another one of those acronyms, but you know, um, there's a league called Liga Fraternidad. Uh, in San Francisco, which is a Latin league, they don't even have a website or anything. And I was told to go to their final by uh, the El Farolito and the NPSL, Santiago, their head coach. He said, oh, check this out. You're going to love it. And I went and there's seven, 800 people there popping smoke. But I, the real thing to me was I go out there and I watch two players that I guarantee could be playing at a USL level. And they've never been looked at once by anyone. Um, and yet you have players who are just in a random system system in the division one college system. And they're going on getting drafted and things like this. And they've also never been looked at. So there's, there's definitely a problem there because it's just one person who's been put in a system in a set of names and people just keep grabbing from those names. And that's the same thing I think about when I see all the roster building going on across the country is it's the same names just kind of bouncing around from, USL team to USL team to now we have NISA, but we'll be bouncing around and I assume it's going to be players being grabbed from those same places instead of players being grabbed from other places that we don't know about yet, like Liga Fraternity Dot, like Liga NorCal, like the San Francisco League. There's tons of good players that I think can rival any uh, second or third division player, but for some reason they were never once taken by a second division team. And if they were, 
that are then in that system. And then for the next seven years, they're getting opportunities at a different USL club across the country over and over again. Yeah, it's uh, there's there's a guy that I follow on Instagram, and he puts out some he puts out some great content. Um, but it, it just makes me makes me scratch my head sometimes because he's like always going to tryouts. He's never lasting at a team for more than one season, but he always gets picked up. Like he always gets picked up by a team, and it's like it's kind of what you're what you're what you're hinting at. It's like because of his resume, uh, mm-hmm. or because he's he's already known in the, in the system, people keep taking him, but it's like, you know, if you keep taking the guy that never lasts more than one season at any of these clubs, why don't you look outside of, of that box? Like, why don't you try to find somebody that's, that's new or, or, or different instead of taking the guy that, that wasn't good enough to make it at the mm-hmm. last four to five clubs that he's been with. Like that to me, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Or, or, or it's giving enough. I mean, it's one of those things where at some point I, I'm a big believer that I'd rather see a team field just local players yeah. and finish off worse, especially when there is at this point, there is no risk of going down. So why not, if you're going to finish dead last place, why not have be giving opportunities to local kids who would never otherwise get noticed? I just don't see the purpose. I think, I mean, when I lived in South Florida, I can, um, with like the Fort Lauderdale strikers, there was just so many times where I'm seeing a 36 year old Brazilian. Then when you look up his resume, it just says a bunch of second division Brazilian teams getting an opportunity. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, it, it that, that a local kid that they're, that they're not taking a local 18 year old who didn't get into college for some reason, if you're good, if you're not going to win anyway, if that makes sense. No, it makes, it makes total sense, man. It makes total sense. And again, it just goes back to just the community aspect. The community aspect of, of soccer is is missing in in American soccer. And and where I'm trying to remember, I'm scratching my head right now. Where like this, they they started using the term like community based soccer, and I can't remember where I first started to see that on a regular basis. Maybe it was, it was either Stockade or Jacksonville Armada. I, I, mm-hmm. It was one of the two, but they but they they made the phrase community based soccer part of like the pitch, and yeah, I believe, and, believe that was Armada with Robert, Robert Palmer. That's right, I think so. Yeah. I've actually interviewed Robert. I need to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I should. Uh, and, and and you know what? I've lost. Uh, I've lost a complete um, uh, connection with with some of those teams like Miami FC and, and Armada and, and even Cosmos to an extent, even though I, I follow them, I have their sticker on my laptop. Um, so I follow a little bit of the news, but I, I've, I've just lost like complete, um, uh, you know, knowledge actually of, of what their current situation is. So I, I need to, I need to investigate. Do you, do you know anything about like where, where those teams are at right now? Well, well so you got Miami and, and Cosmos are going to are with, I guess, Oakland roots and NPSL pro okay. or founders. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that, but technically Founders Cup, NPSL Founders Cup, uh, going into a new branding of a, of a new league. But it, it's, um, and Armada is going to be playing in the current, uh, just NPSL Classic. Um, Miami is building a roster that should rival any second division team. They, they're not, they're not messing around. And Cosmos picked up a, a really good player, uh, in J- Junior Burgos recently. He's, uh, El Salvadorian international player who used to, and that's that's one guy that I will will hype for a while because he's one that that played locally here in the Bay Area and just at a young age he just started playing in the adult Mexican leagues um, in the in adult Latin leagues and not going through your normal system and he came and he made it out the other side as an incredible player getting to play for the El Salvadorian national team so it, it's there's so many avenues to to to, to get it, to get there but as for those three teams yeah yeah. There, two of them are, are part of the, the beginning of NPSL Founders Cup starting in August, and I'd expect uh, Miami to, to be fielding arguably the strongest team in the league, and, and New York Cosmos should have a, a really strong squad as well. When do, when does all that kick off? Uh, let's, I don't want to mess with the date, too, but the West is August 24th, and if I'm not mistaken, the East starts August uh, 10th. Everybody plays everybody uh, home and away. And uh, the winner to the top two from the East and the top two from the West will go on to, to play each other in November for a semifinal and a final. 
Hey, sit tight. We are going to hear a quick message from our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. Bounce Athletics are offering you an additional 10% discount just for listening to this episode of the 343 podcast. When I spoke to Zach, the co-founder of Bounce Athletics, he mentioned one of the most common problems that coaches and players and teams have when it comes to their training equipment. This is what he had to say. Finding goals that are portable, um, that can be moved from environment to environment quickly and perform just as well on grass as they do on turf as they do on hardwood or, or wherever you're at. Thankfully, that problem has been solved thanks to the Dynamo goals made by Bounce Athletics. They have revolutionized people's training sessions. For those that don't know, they're a three by five, all aluminum frame. They fold flat in like five seconds and they you pop them back up and a couple seconds. The moment I saw the Dynamo goals in action, I was totally convinced that these were the best goals on the market. And since using the Dynamo goals, I haven't even touched the other goals that I have had for years. And I was curious about who else was already using these. So I asked Zach, and here's what he had to say. Everything from recreational programs that are using them for their 3v3 and 4v4 to college and pro teams that have 20 of them. 343 listeners get an additional 10% discount when you mention the 343 podcast. Just email info at Bounce Athletics to begin the order process. All right, let's get back to the show. I, w- I want to talk specifically about Oakland Roots for, for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, what What is going to happen between now and, and August 24th for, for you guys? And, and maybe if you could explain a little bit about what your role is with, with Oakland Roots. because And I, and I should actually uh, say this on, on the podcast is that you're the reason why I connected with Halai and, and why I was able to get her on the podcast and, and, and get her amazing story. Um, mm-hmm. so this is, this is actually the second appearance for Oakland roots on, on, uh, on my show. Um, but what is it that, that, that you actually do? And then what is it that you're going to be doing between now and the time that you guys kick off? Yeah. Well, first, first of all, I just want to say Hawaii is one of the most in, incredible people that, that, that I know just first, everything she's been, been through and the way she fights for, for all the, uh, her teammates and things like that and stands up for what's right. She's just an incredible, incredible person. Um, and, I was lucky enough to, to be able to work with um, with her brother this whole time, Adris. He's one of the two co-founders of of Oakland Roots. Um, he's an unbelievable branding guy. He was in the vision behind the video uh, for Devante that came out, which uh, a lot of people picked up on because it lives up to being truly Oakland and not something else. But um, I guess my my role is a, is, is a bunch of things. It's officially doing uh, the PR and press. And then as well as fan engagement, just because I'm so connected with uh, so many different types of fans in, in Oakland and, and soccer fans in the Bay Area. And I know all the, the A's fans. So it's my job is in some ways is just being the hype man um, and, and, <laughs> and making and not, not, not just that, just that. But it's, you know, it's getting uh, all of our articles out, press releases, social media, um, as well as going to a lot of local soccer events going to be. There's a local organization here, Soccer Without Borders, um, that we that we're working with very closely. They give huge opportunities in the East Bay to refugee kids um, to play soccer um, without a cost. So uh, I go to a lot of their their events. We'll be going to one of their practices tomorrow. Um, the Black we have we're participating in what's called the Black Joy Parade in Oakland, which is something that's pretty uniquely Oakland um, to have a parade like that. Uh, and we'll be playing some street soccer featuring Javante and things like that. So a lot of it is just making sure that the community knows who we are and, and is connected to us and to make sure that they know that this is our, like when we talk about our slogan or hashtag or whatever, Oakland first, always we're, we, we try, we try to really live by that. Um, the team is a Nick, like the other co-founder, Ben Onego. I went to elementary school with him, uh, in Oakland. He was a couple years older than me and I was more in the same class with his younger brother but it's really truly being about Oakland first and worrying about being a soccer club second. And I'm not saying that we just put soccer in in the back burner, but there's something to be said about being truly authentically Oakland uh, and the East Bay before worried about being a soccer club. And and that's just kind of who we are and what we're about. That's cool. Um, to, To your knowledge, 
um, or or through through your experience uh, so far with NPSL, is there is there going to be anything that they do that limits your 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 voice or your representation of, of your community? No, that's I think that's one of the the, the things I really like the most is um, a video like we released yesterday is something that might have been not as widely accepted in other leagues, I'll say, um, and maybe even been been blocked, but it's really the fact that we're all in some ways independent clubs working together to build a new league. And because of that, we get to have our own mm-hmm. own unique brands, our own unique flair. Um, I think it's really evident when you look at clubs mm-hmm. like Chattanooga, you look at clubs like Detroit, even the New York Cosmos, um, down, down in Southern California, Cal United, um, really good roster of players has their own unique thing going. So I think that that's the, what's the best thing that they're allowing is they're really allowing each club to, to function as their own independent club and create their own identity and their own brand that is uniquely Oakland roots. And is not necessarily tied to NPSL's branding in, NB, in, in any way though we are in the league, each one of these clubs, it's Detroit city. It's not, this club in NPSL, that's Detroit City. And this the same with us. Oakland Roots is Oakland Roots and not necessarily just another club in this league. Yeah, that's that's exciting to 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 talk about. Actually, uh uh just before just before I called you, I, t- I actually texted you and told you I was in a Twitter argument, so I needed to I lost track of time. And uh <laughs> uh one of the things that I saw right before I called you was some more of this BS about oh maybe MLS should pull out of um, Concacaf Champions League and so I I retweeted Jason Davis's you know thought that he had tweeted out I was like perfect G- give those spots to NPSL like NPSL teams would love to play in Concacaf Champions League that that would be amazing an amazing experience mm-hmm. um, but I'm curious uh, and I and, and I don't know the answer. How do NPSL teams fit into the Open Cup picture and uh, other national um, or even international competitions now? Because I just noticed yesterday John Mata tweeted that you know the the winner of the Amateur Cup, American Amateur Cup, is going to play the winner of the UEFA Amateur Cup. So I'm wondering if there are other things now that are in the works um, similar to that that's going to give NPSL the opportunity to perform uh, or play on a bigger mm-hmm. stage. Yeah, so that that that's one of those things where there's a lot of things in this league that are still, um, I guess, being worked through at this point. Um, a lot of clubs, as you notice, are in the uh, Open Cup anyway this year from through their qualifi- qualification through, uh, I guess we'll call it regular, the normal NPSL uh, qualifying system, which is finishing, you know, El Farolito qualified from Northern California. Um, and, and a couple, I forgot all the other NPSL teams specifically, but it's through NPSL regular season play. Um, currently it's just us and I believe Milwaukee who won't be playing in that part of the NPSL this year. So I don't believe that there will be, um, a representation, uh, through Founders Cup, but that's still to be determined. I wouldn't say yes or no on that. I think there's, that has to be worked out through the NPSL, through the Open Cup committee and through the Founders Cup teams, but the, the hope is that down down the line that there's there's an avenue the same way that the NPSL already has their normal avenue to get into the get into the Open Cup. So are 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 these two different facets of NPSL going to coexist for for you know years and years and years, or is the idea to just introduce this new uh, this new facet and then you know merge everything at some point? That's and so that's another one thing that um, that was discussed. I guess at the meetings a little bit, but it has a lot to do with um, there was a lot of teams in the NPSL that were looking for another level of play and a, and a longer season. I think um, I think it's really tough to to build interest in and love for a club on a two month or a three month season. I think no matter what the level, including amateur, need you need a six to eight month season to really get excited. You know, fans finally learn about a club. You know, when you have a 12 game season with two games to go and then they forget about it, you know, because the next game is until 10 years later. So I think a lot of this or 10 months later, sorry, <laughs> uh, I think I think think a lot of this is um, ha- has to do with with a request from a lot of the um, NPSL teams for another level. And that's why it, it I believe it's, it, it's going to be working very closely, but is um, going to have a, a, a slightly different, uh, I guess, league leadership. 
Um, but it's definitely two two connected leagues at this point. Sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just it's it's overwhelming to think about like all the the different things that are happening and going on in American soccer. There's like so many plates are spinning, and it's so oh. it, it's 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 a task to keep up with all of it. It really is, and it and it's you know it makes work like what you do. Um, mm-hmm really important because without without people that cover it uh, that, that cover the the lower division specifically we would have just you know no idea what's happening at those levels and and you know the, well, it's, the not, it's not just no for for me it's not just no idea what's happening at those levels we have no idea who these players are yep um it's if there's these these players put put everything into it it's one of those things where we when we talk about the amateur level i think it's one of my favorite things that i ever talked about in when I was in graduate school for, for, for music education is that the term amateur, we throw around like it's some kind of lesser thing the, you know, amateur comes from the word of more, which is for love and you do it for the love of. So any pro should be an amateur. And if they're not, there's a problem there, if that makes sense. And I think part of it is having everybody realize that these people are, you know, we, some people go, Oh, you're just, you know, they, they talk about MPSL teams or, or other lower teams like, oh, you're just using these players to create a brand. It's like, no, there's, there's, this is a two-way street because these players are really giving, getting the last opportunity to play in some cases, and they're really doing it for the love of the game, which is more exciting for me to see. Is I like seeing someone go in on a full hard tackle because they're not worried about what they have to do, you know, being healthy for a national team game or being healthy when the next college season starts and things like that. They're playing because they want to be out there on a Sunday afternoon with their friends and playing the game they love. So it, it's it's making sure that people realize that. And I think that that's what's really important I, um, to, to the coverage of lower league soccer is getting these people's names out there that are literally playing for the love of the game and not for a paycheck. Because if you're playing for a paycheck and you're not, an amateur, I have an issue. I'm not, so there's plenty of pro players I like, and I know that they're playing for the love of the game, but there's plenty who are playing for a paycheck and I'm not interested in watching that. Damn. Throwing fireballs, Tommy. (laughs) 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 Um, I I usually end every interview with the question, like, what do people need to know? But that, like, if I would have asked that question right before you gave that answer, that answer would have made total sense. Um, but I'm, I'm, I would say, but what what they need to know for me is is like I think one of the problems is there's more people on social media that want to hype up lower league soccer than I see in the stands. And what I mean by that is I know num- numerous numerous Twitter accounts from Northern California that, that that preach lower league soccer, that preach you know independent soccer and all these kinds of things, and I've never seen them at a game or they show up once a year. So my, my issue is what people need to know is that it's not to say that you don't have the right to, to do anything on social media because anyone, anyone has the right to say anything they want. And that's why when you said that, I was like, ah, Twitter's a funny place to me. Like, I love, I love how intense people get uh, on, on it. Cause if, you know, if you met these people face to face, I bet you would all be friends. Um, <laughs> but we can, we can hate each other for some reason on, on a social media account. But what I'm saying there is that there's just, there's too many people in my opinion that are combating the problems with soccer in this country through just, just through, I guess, social media. And they're not also backing it up. And I think you can combat it through social media, but you need to be the people like yourself who are, who's out refereeing every day, who's out coaching kids every day before you can, you can take it to that sphere. Cause there's too many who, who are talking about independent soccer and a promotion relegation and all this kind of stuff, which I'm in support of, but I want to see those people in the stands of a, of a, of a lower division game before that they, they become these, you know, these social warriors or it's, you know, if any way you want to put it, I think that would be my big thing. No, I, that resonates with me, man, because, and, and it's probably worth, worth saying too, like the reason why, or the first time we met, was at, or just before the NASL final, the final NASL final, um, yeah. and uh, what's what's that bar called in San Francisco, right across from the? He's our pub. That's right. Same name as the stadium. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Actually, yes. I got I got to point it out. That's a as an Everton fan, that's the Liverpool pub. But we'll move on. <laughs> yeah. um, 
but but i i find that it yeah it's important to to show up um mm-hmm. and and to and to be there um a lot of people want to cover soccer from a distance and mm-hmm. um there was a there was a stretch of time where you know i i i was able to kind of you know and i still am to be honest um you know i'm able to go and and, and get in the weeds you know, go and travel to be at the NASL final and cover it from in, being there in person. Travel to New York and and see the court case between NASL and mm-hmm. USSF. I, I I felt like that was important to have that perspective mm-hmm. of actually being in the room versus um, just reading reading the transcript and um, you know a, a, a number of different you know occasions as well like being being at the development academy playoffs um and and seeing and watching the games uh in in order to to form my own opinion about them instead of just reading about it on social media like these are things that i'm very very passionate about and it's just been part of my my own personal story i guess i'm kind of bragging at this point but you know just being able to get in the car and and drive six seven eight hours sometimes is is what's required and 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 i I think more people should be doing that. Yeah, it's it's the it's the same thing as as with with scouting players, right? We 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 talked about this when when you were up at the the Path to Pro Combine, but it's the idea that you can't watch a player's ability based on based on television, and you also can't watch a player's ability if you're judging based on the level of play from everyone, because there's one gem on every single field, in my opinion, especially in California. Uh, there, there's, there's a player out there that you're overlooking because you saw one bad touch from someone else. Um, so it's the same thing as traveling all over the place um, to see these smaller clubs. And another one that, that, that I think is just doesn't get talked about in that really good stories and is Academica Football Club. They have their own, they have their own field in in the in Turlock in the Central Valley of, of California. They they bring in bring in three four hundred fans in a really really small community, and they're really hard for people to get to, and they're not televised or or anything like that. So there's no way to see what they're building. Um, and there's a lot of those clubs over Northern California that you can't judge because they don't they they may not have the the social media presence. You know, clubs are judged based on a Twitter account and not based on what they're doing and and doing all the hard work in person. Some of these clubs have, have guys working 80 hours a week to, to keep the clubs, the clubs functioning and running. And that needs to be seen in person. And that's behind the scenes. That's just not, that's not just players on the field. There's so many of these people in soccer who aren't on the field, who aren't, don't have their names in any interviews or do, but are doing some of the most incredible things for people, for the communities that they live in. Shout out to Simon. Uh, uh, they're they if i'm not mistaken they're kind of like a cultural um like like their foundation is culturally um portuguese is that what they are yeah yeah. so they're based out of a portuguese church and from the the seven late 70s i believe so been around for 40 years and that's the same thing like when i look at the san francisco league and you want people want to ask like well how long have you been playing on certain schedules like the san francisco league from 1902, yes, they've been in existence since 1902 continuously. They played on a on a fall to, to spring schedule until 1996, and you can imagine why that changed in 96. They started moving to the summer schedule. But there's clubs in that league, like Olympic Club, founded in 1916. You know, Greek-Americans over 60 years old. The Italian Athletic Club, over 60 years old. There was a team that just unfortunately went away a couple of years ago, Club Peru from 1916. So these are all people who have been doing stuff for their local communities for hundreds of years without, without even being joking. 1916 is more than a hundred years. It's been doing it for over a hundred years that aren't doing it for recognition. They're doing it for their small local community in San Francisco, not even for the whole city of San Francisco. They're doing it for their small local community. And I think that's, that needs to be recognized and, I don't th- and people are who are just viewing viewing stuff based on Twitter will never see a story based on any of these people if, if there's no one out there to cover it. Where can people find you and find the work that you do? I feel like that's that's important because you do <laughs> you do a couple different things. Yeah, so for for me my Twitter account is uh Hodel Base. It's H O D U L B A S S and that's 
still the name that I, I left for when I was a music from a, being a musician educator. Um, I never actually changed that. I just kind of like that actually at this point because it's also my email and all these things. Um, but but then you could also find uh, stuff that I've it's been a little bit since I've got, recorded a podcast or uh, or written an article. But Midfield Press, I've done I've done a lot of work for um, the Cup US with Josh Hochula. There's a lot of stories up there. Just wrote something about uh, Steven Nagelesco, which is uh, one of the most legendary coaches and a story that you would really like. I mean, being a, uh, a Romanian immigrant who had to escape Nazis at one point and came to San Francisco and was a college coach at University of San Francisco for almost 50 years, won as many national titles as Bruce Arena, more than Ziggy Schmidt. He also at the same time was running the U.S. Open Cup, um, and, and winning winning that with a, the uh, Italian Athletic Club. And at the same time, he founded the San Francisco Youth League. And this is a guy who's not in the Hall of Fame. And that's why I write the stories about it. Because the fact that some of the other people I can name off, um, don't want to just throw, throw shade to throw shade, but like Don Garber is in the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame and Steven Nagelesco is not, there's a serious, serious issue here. And that's why I, I do those kind of stories for the Cup.us. And then I also been uh, recording podcasts with Pass the Pro Soccer, which is a really awesome thing that a guy by the name of Eric Bukeri runs, um, finding uh, what I call hidden gems all over California, Oregon. It's He's someone, in my opinion, who he could find 10 players that are better than the top 10 MLS draft picks um, and in just within his backyard. Um, and I really, truly believe that. So it's all those places, I think. So if... I listed all of them, I believe. And then Oakland Roots as well. Oakland Roots SC um, on Twitter as well. All right, Tommy. Was there anything that we didn't cover that you uh, that you anticipated talking about? I thought, well, I thought you were going to bring up the Toronto thing, but um, that's, that's, <laughs> that's about it. I'll just to, just quickly say that I'm just my, – my one issue with, with Champions League is watching every fan of a league like MLS just bandwagon on a team and then get upset when they lose. I – if you want to support your team in Champions League, I'm all for that. But I, I'm not that interested in seeing all these Americans all of a sudden supporting a Canadian team just because they're in my league. It doesn't, or in your league, it doesn't make sense. It's like I was watching Bayern Liverpool yesterday. There's zero chance that I'm going to be supporting Liverpool because they're in the Premier League as well. There's zero chance that Man City plays later today that I'm going to be supporting City just because they're also in the Premier League. It's it's a weird concept that I thought. But I thought when you were going to talk about that game, so that was my one thought on it. But other than that, I think you're good. <laughs> no, it's, it, I, I think about that quite often too. Like it's it's an American thing. I feel like to support, like mm-hmm. you know, when when your when your team gets knocked out of the playoffs for 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 NFL, it's like okay, well, I'm going to root for the NFC team then because you know that's the that's that's the team that my my uh or that's the the part of the league that my team is from so you know mm-hmm. screw the AFC it's like no like yeah, no it's the, it's, it's the same like with conferences in college football right like uh, as a I'm a Cal fan for a lot of sports here in Berkeley and and why when they have a terrible season I'm just supposed to support Stanford or USC in the Rose Bowl or whatever that makes no sense to me it really it's a concept that is so foreign to me and I think that's the only thing because I think that it's conquered how Champions League is something that's very cool, very unique. But that's the one, just the way it gets supported um, is weird because I'm, I can guarantee you the MX fans aren't rooting for each other just to beat an MLS team. They, they, they might be even rooting for an MLS team to beat a Liga MX team um, because it's their rival team. No, dude, and, and it brings up the, the best example that, that we can give, right? Landon Donovan wearing a Mexico jersey and telling American fans to support Mexico because the U.S. didn't make the World Cup. Like, fuck you. No. <laughs> the, 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 one, the one thing I'll say about that, because I, I grew up a Landon fan. Um, it's kind of one of the reasons I root for Everton. And you gotta, um, he did that for a hefty paycheck. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of people will do that for a hefty paycheck, but, and I hope no one bought into that. And I, and I'm, and I hope people see through that and see that he... He's doing that for a hefty paycheck, dude. I don't know how much money you can pay me to oh, make I, it. To oh, make I, could, it. I could do it for the right amount of money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure you know. I'm saying that as I have like zero dollars in my bank account, but um, 
you know, it, it, it would, it would take a, a, you know, it's a massive hit on, on my ego to tell other people to support, uh, you know, a, a team or a country that has literally thrown piss on me. Like that, yeah. that is a massive hit to my ego. Like, man, that would be tough to do. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where I love all my friends from San Francisco, but that's, that's a different city to us. And, and for that reason, I don't just hop on any San Francisco team. That's just not, that's just never going to happen for me. You know, it's just golden state warriors moving from Oakland to San Francisco. It's going to take some thought to continue to support that. Um, it's cause they're not committed to your community. Right. That's a, so. yeah, it's, it's really interesting, man. Um, I'm not, I'm not yeah. in tune with the, uh, with the basketball, the basketball <laughs> world, but, um, but I'm, yeah, I, I, I honestly didn't even know that they were moving. So. Yep. It was, there you go. See, it's like, cause their brand is golden state. That's all. And then, it doesn't sh- only people in Oakland are going to get upset by that because their brand is a statewide brand. And you know what? Now that I think about it, Golden State has kind of positioned themselves as you know, like a um, a un- yeah, like a universal brand. Like they have fans all throughout California now. So you know, those fans, yep. like I'm thinking here in San Luis Obispo, like there's so many people that wear Golden State jerseys out just on Friday and Saturday nights. But mm-hmm. uh, but specifically to the sports bars, like those those places are packed when when Golden State plays, and mm-hmm. you know they're they're not going to be impacted when Golden State moves across the water. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's that's the, it's only one community is getting impacted by that. Um, I think that's what Open Roots is here to to combat. Cause we got that and the Raiders leaving at one time, so kind right. of an open avenue for us. You guys need to do like a, a save Oakland sports campaign, like like Columbus did. There's actually a, a, a great organization called uh, Save Save Oakland Sports. I believe it's .org, um, <laughs> run by run, run run by some very run by some really good people. So they're 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 making sure the A's stay here, and, and we're in good contact with them as well. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I can't imagine uh, Oakland roots um, up in uh, uprooting and leaving. You can't really do that with your exactly. brand. The brand, yeah, the, the the brand says we're here, we're here forever. Forever, that's cool, man. Uh, Tommy, I appreciate you making time, man. And uh, absolutely, I look, I look forward to. to uh, I look forward to seeing you again. I think uh, Eric Eric messaged me about something happening in March, so hopefully I'll be back up there soon. Yeah, and then also I'll get you out to that first Roots game in August. Absolutely, I'll be there. Awesome, sounds good, man. All right, brother, I'll talk to you. Uh, talk to you soon. Have a good one. All right, later. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.